Welcome to Around Kansas. I'm Deb Goodrich. And I'm Michelle Martin. So I um, was fortunate enough to be at the Western Writers Conference a couple of weeks ago. And it's always great, you know, to see old friends, to meet new friends, and to recognize some of those friends who have accomplished great things. And Michelle has in her background today a couple of the folks we're going to talk about. Yeah, Deb. Uh, behind me, you see Paul Andrew Hutton. And to many of our viewers, his name will be very familiar for the numerous books that he's written on the history of the American West. And next to him is really the Dean of Western Historians, Robert Utley, who was uh, with the National Park Service for many years and has written probably more books about the American West than just about anyone out there. And this image actually is from Prescott, Arizona. I had the opportunity to attend a book talk and book signing with uh, Paul and Bob Utley. And I have to say, I had my little fangirl moment when I took my copy of Life and Custer's Cavalry uh, about Albert and Jenny Barnett's who have their connections to Fort Wallace. Uh, and I had Bob sign the book and he signed it for Michelle with admiration and uh, admiration and affection, Bob Utley. So oh, that's I, sweet. Say, I was quite elated because he is truly a gentleman and a scholar. It was wonderful to see him again. You know, the first time I met Bob was decades ago when I was studying at um, the Buffalo Bill Center of the West in Cody. And Bob was one of our featured speakers during our classes. And you know, he's two or three feet taller than I am. And my name tag said, you know, that I was from Topeka. And he was peering down through his glasses, Topeka, and talked about how he had researched there at the state archives and just a wonderful gentleman, such a generous man in addition to being a fine scholar. So that night um, at the, uh, the Spur Awards for Western writers, Paul actually was honored for an article he wrote about Bob that appeared in Roundup Magazine, which is our quarterly magazine. And then Bob was honored for a new book. He is still going strong. He is, he's still a historian, still a writer, despite uh, being, above 90. So that should be a goal for all of us to keep doing what we love, no matter what age we are. Well, you know, the article that Paul wrote and won his very well-deserved Spur Award for was about Bob Utley's career and in particular reflected on uh, Bob Utley's 90th birthday. And I was fortunate, my husband who's known Bob for many, many years, um, we had the opportunity to be invited to, we were guests at that party in Scottsdale. And it was wonderful uh, to see Bob uh, for his birthday, to celebrate his 90th birthday. And it was really a lovely, lovely evening. So uh, actually, if you flip through the issue and look at the article, there's a photo of that birthday party. And uh, actually I'm kind of in the front of that photo. Uh, no next to my husband and uh so yeah i was um thrilled to be included and invited it was just a lovely evening and the conversation was wonderful and it's always good to hear bob tell stories 
Well, one of the stories that I've heard him tell, you know, he wrote a biography of Billy the Kid and they were having a, um, I think it might've been the New Mexico Historical Society. It was, I don't know who it was, but it was dignitaries and history lovers in New Mexico at this kind of a posh party. And this lady walks up to Bob and she chastises him for writing a biography of Billy the Kid. And it's like, why would you write about an outlaw when we have all these distinguished people from New Mexico? Why would you choose him? And Bob said, tell me somebody else from New Mexico that's known around the world. And of course you couldn't think of anybody and that was it. I, I thought that was priceless. It was just, just priceless. And um, yeah, he's, he's, a, he's a treasure. I have to say he got a, a well-deserved standing ovation. He made a wonderful speech which um, it was kind of funny because again, you know, and not to keep hammering on his age, but you sort of expect people to reflect on their careers and, and that sort of thing. No, he was talking about the work he was doing right now. He was uh, very appreciative of his editor and publisher for um, really, you know, turning this into a quality book. And it was all about now. And I loved that. I absolutely loved it. Here I am. I'm, as you know, Deb, and some of our viewers may know, I'm writing my PhD dissertation. I have trouble thinking about the next day or two when I'm working on my dissertation. And I can guarantee you, while Bob's working on his current book, he's probably got that he's probably outlining the next one in his head while he's working on the current one. And it is absolutely incredible. His energy and his spirit uh, and his dedication to his craft is just about unmatched in the field. And so I was, I was so thrilled to see that he uh, and Melody uh, made it up to Colorado to the event uh, because with COVID, I know he hasn't been traveling a lot. So I was so thrilled to see that he made the trip and I'm sure there were I'm sure many, many people that evening were absolutely uh, just charmed by him and happy to be able to see him again. And I have to also say uh, a huge congratulations to Paul Hutton. Uh, I am actually a student at the University of New Mexico. And so uh, Paul is in the department I'm getting my PhD from, and he's a friend. I worked with him uh, when I was with Curtis Productions on the Investigating History series. And he also has been a really good friend of my husband's for many, many, many years. So a huge congratulations to Paul for, for his Spur Award, one of many that he's received and very well-deserved. It is very well-deserved. I have to tell you, um, in the um, a hotel there in Loveland, um, I walked out, out of my room so I had kind of a corner room and then uh, just like a few feet from my door, um, Bob and Melody were coming out of their room at the same time. I couldn't believe we were just right there together. So we chatted for a little while and rode down the elevator together. And it, I, I'd been told he was coming, but it was really nice to just run into him with nobody around and have a little while to chat. And, and that was that was nice. But yeah, they they were warmly welcomed and like you said, richly deserved. There's so many classics 
in um, Western literature that Bob wrote, you know, and it's just, uh, uh, he's invaluable. I'm going to turn off the dinger on my phone right here. Um, ding, ding, ding. Michelle, this is kind of a, a side note, not relevant to anything, but speaking of the dinging, ask Google or Siri what the fox says. It's hilarious. We were doing animal sounds in the car the other day for the grandkids. And I'm like, you know, what sound does an elephant make? What sound does a mouse make? What, what sound does an eagle make? And then uh, we're like, what does the fox say? And it's, you know, and it's, it gives the words from the song. What does the fox say? Oh, it's hilarious. You got, you got to look it up. And if you're looking for a great way to teach the kids animal sounds, this, it's a cool way. So I'm going to turn off my ding ding here and I'm, I'm terrible about that. I had my phone go off at Constitution Hall in Philadelphia one time. Yeah, it's a wonder I wasn't executed, but um, the tour guide had told everybody to turn it off and then mine went off and I'm in there with, uh, I don't know, 50 high school kids, you know, the audience from hell. And they're, you know, it's all they can do to sit quiet and pay attention. And my phone is the one that goes off. And I looked at the tour guide and I said, I'm sorry, this is a new phone. I don't know how to turn the, the ding off. So one of the high school kids got the phone and turned it off for me. So. That's the truth. If you don't understand your technology, ask your seven-year-old nephew how to, how to turn it off, turn it on, fix it. My three-year-old, he's almost three. He can get into my phone without the passcode. I don't know how he does it. He's just like flip, 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 and he's in. And I'm like, I can't do that. How does he do that? It's magic. Uh, it's magic. It's magic. So anyway, yeah, uh, a heartfelt congratulations to DePaul Hutton for his uh, wonderful article that, that really resulted from a lifetime of friendship and admiration. And to Bob Utley for a lifetime uh, of, of scholarship and generosity. So. Yeah, I, like I said, I can't think of two people who are more deserving of their awards. And actually, it's, it's interesting because when I had just started working with Curtis Productions, they had just finished wrapping on um, a show they did where they interviewed uh, Bob Utley. So I just missed getting to be on crew when Bob was uh, interviewed. But yeah, definitely. Both are just fantastic. Uh, they're generous with their, their information and their time. Uh, and so, yeah, richly, wonderfully deserved awards. And for, for, our, view, for our viewers, um, if you're not familiar, look up the Western Writers of America uh, on their website and you can learn more about them. Uh, you can actually join, you can subscribe, you can get oh, the I got to put in a plug for this. Western Writers of America has created a new program called Packing the West. And this is a series of short videos where these kids go investigate history. It is awesome, awesome. And they are de developing a curriculum to go with it. They are um, actually developing text, textbooks to go with it that will be uh, available to anybody in the Western state. So they're working with school systems to buy these programs. And I'm telling you, Chris Enns was in charge of this. Um, 
uh, it, uh, they knocked it out of the park. They premiered it at the conference. And it's something we all feel so passionately about is sharing these stories with students and, you know, raising up a younger generation to, to appreciate um, this incredibly American story. So uh, kudos, I cannot tell you how great this project is. That, that's fantastic. And I think you and I both are in agreement uh, that the younger we get students hooked on history, the better. Yeah. And what I love about history is that there are so many aspects to one particular story. Uh, and so you don't run out of research material. It, you know, you can look at a particular event or a particular state from one particular group's point of view or lens, and then you can flip it and look at it from another group. I mean, Kansas, you know, you can look at it from the perspective of territorial folks moving in who are from the Northeast. You can look at it from the Southerners coming in. You can look at it from the perspective of native people. And then when we get to statehood, you can look at it from the perspective of immigrants. I mean, there's so many different perspectives and layers to history. Uh, the research possibilities and the learning possibilities are limitless. They really are. And we have a, a limited amount of time to talk. So we will, we will stop right there. We will be back talking about wildlife and we've got a really cool story for you today. Stay with us. Welcome to the Western Kansas Wildlife Travel Center right here in my hometown of Oakley, Kansas. We're the front door of Western Kansas located on three main highways, I-70, US-83, and US-40. And all those roads lead to history, beautiful scenery, and adventure, no matter which direction you go. We now have an IHOP. That brand that you've trusted up and down the road in all your travels is staffed with local folks, real people, just like you and me, and we're waiting on you to join us. So for fun, adventure, fuel up, fuel your body, and let's have some fun. Howdy, I'm Seth Hayes and welcome to my hometown from then to now. Council Grove has a rich history as deep as the prairie tall grass. Spend the day visiting 25 historic sites or explore the unique shops and restaurants or mosey out of town along the Santa Fe Trail. Y'all visit my hometown, Council Grove in the heart of the Flint Hills. Welcome back. And if you recognize the little picture book behind me, you're not by yourself. We're going to talk about the badger today. And growing up, you know, in, in rural Virginia, badgers were not an issue. So my impression of the badger was this sweet little guy from Wind in the Willows. Um, I did see one run over on I-70 the other day, but um, we have them all over, but we rarely see one just every now and then. And the nature of this little beast is quite different from this furry little fellow in the cartoon. Well, you know, Deb, I grew up in Michigan and as a Michigander and a Michigan Wolverine in particular, we don't like badgers 
because badgers are from that that state across the big lake, Wisconsin. You know, those badgers out of Madison. We just like to go over and beat up on them when we play football. So uh, for me, the only badger I can get behind is that little cartoon one behind you. Yeah, the nature of the badger is quite different from this little guy. And maybe the Wisconsin badgers are closer to the real nature of this little creature. Let's take a look and see. Ah, the kindly badger from the wind in the willows. But what of the real badger? Are they as warm and fuzzy as Mr. Badger? Well, if they were, would schools choose them for a mascot? The badger is the largest terrestrial member of the weasel family in Kansas, often weighing 15 to 20 pounds. It has a broad and flattened body and short, powerful legs, and it's not often one is found wearing slippers. Its large forefeet are webbed and equipped with long, curved claws. Distinct black and white markings define the badger's face, and it has a grizzled gray body with black legs and feet. The badger's size, strength, and aggressive retaliatory behavior make it a formidable opponent for most potential predators and have earned it the reputation as one of our fiercest mammals. The badger is physically well-equipped for a lifestyle that revolves around digging. Badger dens or burrows are conspicuous, consisting of a large mound of dirt piled around the 10 to 12 inch diameter hole. It digs in search of prey, but also digs to build dens in which to bear young. Three or four young are usually born in April or May. Solitary, except during July and August when mating occurs, even badgers with overlapping home ranges tend to avoid each other through scent marking and aggression. Badgers may range over several square miles, but significantly, significantly limit their movements during winter months. Though not true hibernators, they will remain denned for several weeks or more during periods of extreme cold when excavating prey from, fro from frozen ground would burn more calories than could be gained. The badger's diet consists mainly of underground dwelling rodents or other small mammals that can be dug out of their nest or burrow systems. The badger uses its keen sense of smell to locate prey, then digs a series of holes until the prey is restricted enough to be captured. Badgers prey upon prairie dogs or ground squirrels, pocket gophers, mice and voles, Rabbits, birds, eggs, insects, reptiles, and amphibians are also taken opportunistically. The badger's foraging activity proves valuable for many species of wildlife that lay claim to unoccupied badger dens, and the rodent control provided by badgers is often beneficial to man. However, the large holes left behind provide a minor threat to livestock and farm equipment and badgers can be very destructive in alfalfa fields where dense rodent populations often exist. As a result, they are viewed unfavorably by many farmers and ranchers. The badger has been of minor importance to the Kansas fur trade in recent times, though pelt prices have more than doubled over the past two seasons. Annual harvests of 800 to 1,000 have been typical. Although badgers can be hunted, this is not usually an effective means of harvest or management. Nearly all harvested badgers are trapped, either at den entrances or incidental to coyote trapping. 
Ah, Mr. Badger and a Coyote Trap. That's a tragic chapter missing from The Wind in the Willows. Okay, looks like it's time for our tour. Welcome to the Fort Wallace Museum. Here at the museum, you're going to find some really interesting stuff, like our replica stagecoach from the Butterfield Overland Dispatch. We've got facades from the fort buildings, and we've got an 1870s flag. There's a plesiosaur that was discovered locally. We've got the Ray Pump Organ Collection. We're a little bit place with a great big story, and we'd love to have you. In 1821, a trade route was opened from Missouri in the United States across prairies and mountains to Mexico. In 2021, we will mark 200 years of epic conflicts and grand adventures, larger-than-life personalities, and sweeping landscapes. Join us on an historic journey. The Santa Fe Trail lives on. Find us on social media or santafetrail.org. Welcome back. I'm Michelle Martin. And I'm Deb Goodrich. And in our fun segment, we're going to take you to the community of independence via faith. And we're going to have more fun than a barrel of monkeys while we're there. Because we literally are going to talk about a very famous rhesus monkey who spent a good portion of her life at the Ralph Mitchell Zoo living on Monkey Island in Independence. A lot of you will recall that a lot of zoos had monkey islands. Topeka had a really extensive monkey island there. And you know that was gone by the time I'd moved to Kansas, but everybody I knew talked about it. Bill Ripon showed me pictures of Monkey Island and and there were other zoos, you know, that had the, I guess that was the fashion, you know, a monkey, everybody had to have a monkey island to prove how cool they were, you know, so, um, but a very special monkey lived at Monkey Island in Independence. Yeah, and that is Miss um, April, and she was a rhesus monkey. She was one of a pair, um, along with her co cohort, uh, Miss Baker, uh, these were these monkeys were sent to space aboard a Jupiter rocket and brought back safely to Earth in May of 1959. It's amazing. Um, their, their flight reached an altitude of 300 miles and they traveled in speeds in excess of 10,000 miles an hour. So it was absolutely incredible. Uh, that they went ahead and survived such an arduous trip. They went where no monkey had gone before. Isn't that the truth? And of course, you know, then they come back to Earth and they became instant celebrities. <laughs> and of course, Miss Abel is known because she was born uh, here in Independence at the, at the zoo. And the you- like tryouts, Michelle. I mean, how did they pick Miss Abel? You know, what did she stand out? And why girl monkeys? You know, was there a special reason they picked girl monkeys? Do you know? I don't know. Um, I don't know. I don't know if the female monkeys uh, were more trainable than the males. Who knows? I mean, let's face it. If if we have humans as any kind of indicator. 
Um, ask any wife. I mean, seriously, can we train our husbands real well? I don't think so. So maybe that's why. Maybe the females were trainable and followed directions better, or you know, who knows? Followed directions. That's a good one, Michelle. Yeah, they followed directions. Yeah, so that automatically eliminates the male of the species right there. So, yeah, but I've often thought about that. You know, did they? Was she jumping higher than the other monkeys? I mean, what was it that made her stand out? Or was she the only one they could catch? I mean, really, what was what was the deal? Today, um, if you want to see where Miss Abel lived, you can go to the Ralph Mitchell Zoo in Independence, and it is a lovely zoo. Uh, the zoo, there's a, they have a lovely park. It is one of, if you will, the crown jewels of Independence, Kansas. And during the summer, it is packed with families, and it's a lovely place. It's a great place to take the kids. You can let them get out, run their little legs off. You've got a park, uh, you can see Monkey Island. And then you can go ahead and go across the street uh, from the park. Uh, I know there's a Dairy Queen across the street. Now, if you are the genealogy kind, or if you are really into Little House on the Prairie, the uh, zoo and the park are very close to the cemetery in Independence. They've got a cool cemetery. Yes, gorgeous. And, and you can actually visit the grave of Dr. George A. Tan. And if you've read Little House on the Prairie, you will remember Doc Tan as the African-American doctor who saved the Ingalls family from fever and ague, which is malarial fever. Um, so you can go visit Doc Tan and pay your respects. I, I love that. I love that cemetery and that gorgeous rock wall that, oh my goodness, it's, I, I can't think of another one in Kansas that's that extensive. Maybe, maybe Leavenworth. I don't, I don't know. Or, uh, um, um, where is it? Mound City. Mound City's yeah. got the little rock wall around the, um, the, uh, God, I've got no words today, around the uh, U.S. cemetery there. There's a little part of it that's a national cemetery, and they've got the beautiful little rock wall. So I don't know if those are all from the era where they were just building rock walls, but uh, WPA, maybe, I don't know, but it is beautiful. Uh, Independence is a great little town, and my friend um, Tony Boyles grew up there, and of course, she was always going home. They would have a her sisters would all get together for Neawalla. And mm -hmm. so if you combine Neawalla, which is a huge festival now, with, you know, Halloween spelled backwards. If you combine Neawalla with visiting the cemetery, I think that would make for a real cool weekend trip. Exactly. And you know, Independence, the downtown has undergone this wonderful transformation. Uh, the Chamber of Commerce, the city, the CVB, they have all done an amazing job. And I worked at as the director of Little House in the Prairie Museum, which is south of town, which you can also visit very easily if you go to Independence. Yep. But I tried to do quite a bit in town as well and um, got involved in initiatives in town. And I have to say, um, the transformation that it went through just in the, in the years that I lived, the eight or nine years I lived down in Bartlesville and would drive to work and be in Independence is nothing short of amazing. The downtown has incredible shops. One of my favorites is Magnolia. 
you've definitely, if you love candles, if you love scented um, body products, tea, home scents, home decor, go visit Magnolia downtown. I actually order from them online because I miss it so much. Uh, you can visit them. There are great restaurants in downtown uh, and the museum. The Museum and Art Center in Independence is wonderful. They've got a great museum. They're br they bring in wonderful traveling exhibitions and they do a whole host of events throughout the year. Michelle, is Alf Landon's home a private residence or is it, um, what is the deal with his house? I can't remember. Alf Landon's home actually is not a private residence. Um, it is a, I believe it is now owned by a nonprofit. And one of the things that happens every year, the Independence Community College hosts the William Inge Festival. Sure. And so during, I know during the Inge Festival, uh, they give tours of the, of, of Landon's home. And I believe the hope uh, was that they would be able to have their Inge playwrights and residents stay in the Landon home. That would and be I cool. That was in the works at one time. Mm -hmm. uh, so, you know, independence is really this incredible artistic hub yes. when you take the fact that William Inge is from there. Um, his, his play Picnic that was turned into a great Hollywood film with William Holden, hunky William Holden. Um, yep. You know, amazing film. It, that is, uh, that was, took place in independence. A lot of our viewers will remember um, Frankie C just was obsessed with that film. And I think, you know, if you go back to the archive, I don't know, Frankie might have done 10 segments on Picnic. Everything you ever wanted to know about Picnic is, is in our archives with Frankie talking about it. He, um, I just roll my eyes every week. I'm like, Frankie, what are you going to talk about? Picnic. And I'm like, oh my God, didn't we do that last week? No, I've got something else. So every week for weeks we did picnic and it was all good, but we, we really gave Frankie some grief over that. You know, what Frankie may not have known, uh, native Kansan and broadcast journalist Bill Curtis, while he was in high school, he actually was in a production of Picnic. And I do happen to know that there is a cast photo that was shot on the porch of a house in Independence, and it is a young, a young Bill Curtis in his football days at Independence High School, and he is shirtless in the photo. And uh, I know when I worked for him, gave, we gave gave him tons of grief about that. I said, "Oh, boss, how could you do that?" Don't you know that's going to find its way to the internet one day? Um, but, you know, Picnic is really a huge part of Independence's cultural life and story. Uh, and so, of course, the Inch Festival. And now, actually, in Independence, um, I believe this summer, they are going to have the Astra Arts Festival again. And when I, uh, before I moved, I was on the first Astra Arts Festival planning committee. And I know they do it every few years and they, they bring all kinds of artistic endeavors to town. And the first festival was fantastic. Um, so, you know, you can check out the Astra Arts Festival. They have a Facebook page. 
uh, and you can uh, look for their schedule to see all the things they have planned. Well, we hope that you will take the time to visit Independence and a shout out to all the folks that live in Independence that make it such a great place to live and to visit. And when you show up there, tell them that Deb and Michelle sent you so that uh, they'll know that we're talking about them. I hope their ears are burning right now because um, yeah, we're both pretty big fans of Independence. Michelle spent a lot of time there and uh, Michelle and I actually had a book talk when our Kansas Sports and Bases came out. We had a book talk there and uh, a great crowd and just a wonderful time. That was a lot of fun. A lot of fun. Library. Their public library is gorgeous. And really? they got their original building and then they did this beautiful extension in addition to it. Uh, they have a beautiful stained glass mobile uh, in that main lobby that was designed by a stained glass artist um, named Terry Ricketts, who sadly is no longer with us, but Terry was an amazing stained glass artist. Uh, so yeah, their library is beautiful. Uh, like I said, great shops, great restaurants, great art, great history, and wonderful people uh, who are always willing to roll out uh, the welcome mat for visitors. So please do stop by Independence this summer. All righty. Well, that's it for today. We hope you had a great time visiting Independence and learning about all the other cool stuff we talked about visiting with Mr. Badger. So until next time, I'm Deb Goodrich. And I'm Michelle Martin. And we will see you somewhere around Kansas. Mm -hmm.